Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secured Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. You have to, have to learn somehow how to make your laugh half the amount of decibels that it is. <laughs> it's not going to work. <laughs> I'm just going to send a mass email to my staff. Be like, hello, staff. My name is Patrick. I am, <laughs> we have I am 13 years week. old. I want to be confirmed <laughs> in the Catholic Church. <laughs> Wait, can I do it? Okay, yeah. Okay. Welcome to The Crunch, the only podcast that got its merchandising deal canceled because we weren't making enough money. I'm Patrick. (laughs) Patrick. Surprise! (laughs) Happy birthday! (laughs) What do you mean? I've been, during our whole hour-long conversation we were just having, I was like, when do I bring it up? When do I bring it up? I messed up, Ethan. When do I bring it up? I feel so bad. You You don't have to feel bad. It's okay. Did we ever? We haven't been pushing merch enough. <laughs> we, uh, let me just let's just say, most of our listeners, this is not an insult to anybody who is not what I'm about to say. Most of our listeners not very liquid right now. Not a lot yeah. of not a lot of fungibles, and so all their assets are in uh, are in Bitcoin. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and real estate. Hey, that's good. It's real estate's actually great. Uh, let's we we made a fundamental mistake when we started yeah. this podcast. What's that? We what we should have done what everybody does, which is market to young people out of college with no kids. But yeah, out of college, we marketed to people in. What college. we did was yeah. we marketed to people in college and in high school, and then we continued to market to people who are out of college but have kids right away, and so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so we have. We've got no. We've got this whole audience who loves us, and if you're listening uh-huh. to this, I know that you care about me, and I care about you. I love you, baby. Uh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna delete that. That was so weird. No, please. That's so funny. That's so funny. Um, that they they love us, but they're they're thinking to themselves. They're looking at their. It, it's that meme where they open up the wallet and like the bats fly out. You know, like that's the <laughs> yeah. that's where they're at. Here's what I'm thinking we should do in the future. Yeah. Because the reality is like. I can't handle year-long drop shipping. Like, I can't do that myself. What I was thinking we should do is we should do, like, a push in spring and a push in for Christmas. And so, What we'll is pushing like, a spring into our sweatshirts going to do? Is it going to make them more bouncy if someone falls over? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's they got more bouncing. I was like, I was honestly confused. I was like, what do you, what's spring going to do? I don't know. People buy more T-shirts when it gets hot. I don't know. 
I'm not a who. What do I look? What do I look like? A sales funnel guru on Instagram? No, I'm just a guy with a podcast. I actually maybe two podcasts. I actually legitimately talked about the funnel, the sales funnel this week. I am a sales funnel guy, but I'm not a guru. Yeah. So don't make fun of the sales funnel. Well, it works. <laughs> sales funnels do work, and they've been used forever. Uh, we're using one. There's a church consulting group that I'm working with that I was working at at Holy with at Holy Spirit. I am working with now at Archangel Gabriel. Um, they use sales funnel. They use a sales funnel model for parishioners. It's like people who know about us, people who are more likely to come to our events, people who always come to our events. Like we, yeah, yeah. So then I have different modeling. They have different targeting. It's really cool. I, I wish I wish that this kind of um, advertising mm-hmm. strategy was more available to parishes so they could use it. Right. Because right now it's only available to like Fortune 500 companies and and people who want to pay a marketing guy. Yeah, I actually speaking of churches using business models this is a very raw thought luke don't listen to this episode luke don't listen they actually just did a whole episode on business like they took pat lencioni's stuff and talked about it for the church which was pretty funny did they did they hate it no they liked it oh i was gonna say because he's a catholic he's a devout catholic yeah yeah, yeah. no they they, yeah. they liked all they like all of also stuff. apparently they made fun of us the other day did they I don't know. My friend texted me, "Hey, I just thought about you because catching foxes made fun of you." And yeah, I was like, dang I mean, it. That just that happens. I'm <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, that's it no longer more money last month. It no longer sets my heart aflutter when they make fun of the crunch like it used to <laughs> when I was a child because now it's just like <laughs> you know. Uh anyway. Anyway. Uh the I've only worked at my real estate job for a week, but I've mm-hmm. I've solved ministry, okay? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the no, no joke. So what we have is is a database of clients, okay? Uh, or is really just a database of everybody that we've ever talked to, right? You get a business card from anybody. You have a conversation with anybody. We have this system where you can send an email to a virtual assistant, um, which is just someone that gets paid by, like we pay for the database and then the database pays like these virtual assistants. I literally brought this up in a meeting yes. and everyone laughed at no, me. This I is... was like, why don't we outsource our administrative work to Bangladesh? Absolutely. And they were like... <laughs> well, because it sounds bad, but like it's these, these women in the Philippines who are making you like $5 an hour. It's like what we're paying them is $5 an hour. But in the Philippines, that's $25 an hour. Like that is a living wage. Um, so it's like, don't, don't outsource. But also like you're actually helping people who need jobs, you know, yeah. and it's mutually beneficial. Like there's nobody loses here. Um, so it, regardless, you, you send a contact to the virtual assistant. You say, enter this contact into my database and schedule a task for me to call them on Wednesday. And it just does it for you. And then it just pops up. And like the next time you log into your database, do, 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 you look on your tasks and you see it there and it's just done for you. Okay. Which is great if you're in the middle of something and you don't have time to like sit down and pull up the thing and do it all. Focus has a database. Okay. And it's, and it's for, uh, Bible studies and people in discipleship and all of these things. And I think what I've kind of figured out just in this week is the database is useless unless you're in it every single day and you're looking at it every single day and you're using it and the people within it to actually do your job. The problem with a lot of focused missionaries is that they don't really understand the whole thing. I didn't understand it. Now I kind of get it more of we need to be in here and I need to be looking at all the, like what should happen is every time you meet a student or every time you meet someone in, you know, Pittsburgh, wherever you are, 
you should be able to throw them into the database with a tag or with some kind of thing. If we want to use computer, this is, this is all like, if you want to go this route, you need to like do it really well, basically. Yeah. Like you need to throw them in and say, what, what part of the funnel are they in and how can I best reach them? Is it a phone call? Is it an email? Is it a mailer? Is it a, uh, a personal visit? Whatever. Right. And figure out what they need and then schedule that for yourself. So that way it actually like work starts to get done and you don't feel this like overwhelming. Oh, I've met so many people and I don't know what to do with any of them. Like, this is crazy. It's like, no, if we actually just, if we want to approach the church, like a business, if we want to compete, then we have to actually compete, which means we have to train people to do these kinds of things. And I'm not saying this is the only way to do ministry. And I don't, I don't even really think it's the best way. I just think it's a way. And if you do it, you need to go all in. And if you don't do it, you need to be, you know, doing what the CFRs do, which is just walk outside barefoot and just see what happens every day. And just become, become super, super, super holy exactly. um, or get a database and you can pay for a database. You can't pay for holiness. I've tried. Um, yeah. But what, what um, I, I think like saying it as treating the church like a business is kind of a misnomer because it's yeah. just, it's applying what the business strategists use to do business well. But what they're doing is not business. What they're doing is relationship management. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of using relationship management to sell Coca-Cola, mm-hmm. we we should use relationship management to bring people to heaven. Yeah. And like it may feel at first, and this is my first reaction, is like, well, that's that um that kind of sounds kind of impersonal. Like I'm mm-hmm. managing my relationships with a computer program and I remembered them because the a little notification popped up, not because I care about them. Okay, that's fine. If you are like Pope John Paul II and you can remember everybody's name mm-hmm. and exactly them, what's going on in their lives and keep up a correspondence exactly. with them over 20 years, then then go nuts. But yeah. you have to work towards that. And we don't have any time. Churches are closing. Get to work. Right. No, it's that's the thing is it's, it's as if quickly <laughs> I used to be on this train of like business. It doesn't make any sense. When I was a focused missionary, we don't need to use Acts 247. This is not helpful. Yeah. Although I do believe that the, the system could be renovated to make it more helpful to this end because right now it's renovation divine no i just i mean like (laughs) the actual computer program (laughs) the software the software software mission mission pathways i i reached out i met this organization called mission pathways and they do something similar Mm -hmm. um shout out mission pathways not sponsored i think they listen to the show that's great but they yeah they they do something like that and and instead of a pds a parish database system where you keep track of everybody's uh, giving and everybody's uh, mm-hmm. uh, address and their and how many times their kids have been baptized. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> we dumped many, this guy twice. How many Sorry. persons of the Trinity this person was named when they were baptized? <laughs> yeah, this one's got two. Um, this one. Instead got of that, four. you keep track of like what stage of discipleship they're in. Yes. And and that's like well that okay so here's my thing. It's, it's a different it's a different mindset. It's a different mindset. I got two thoughts. One, I don't think it's bad to actually use all of our human faculties for the sake of evangelization. And that's what some people will say is like, well, oh. I'm not going to use that part of my mind. It's like, why not? <laughs> like, why, <laughs> why wouldn't you use everything that God has given you? Some people aren't yeah. built for this. And I'm not, this is not for everyone. The other thing, if you only track, if you're a parish, if you work at a parish, if you're in ministry, if you're only tracking um, the lagging indicators, you know about this. If you're only tracking yeah. lagging indicators, then you, this is like the whole thing with COVID. This everybody understands this now. If you're only tracking, uh, uh, deaths, then you're not really understanding like where the cases were, right? That's why everybody always exactly. said like deaths yeah. lag behind cases, you know, hospitalizations lag behind cases, all these things. So if you're tracking deaths and hospitalizations, you're not actually tracking how many cases there are, which is why there was such a huge push to get everybody tested 
um, last year so that they could actually track the thing that was that was the leading indicator, which is how many people are positive, right? How many transmissions? How many transmissions are there? That's a leading indicator. And what we do in a lot of times with parishes is we look at how many people are coming to mass, how many people are coming to Bible studies, how many people are com- are tithing, how much they're tithing. And it's like, okay, in and it's kind of an after the fact sort of thing. Like the, mass should not be your leading indicator because you've, it's, you've done nothing to get these people to show up to mass. You're just recording mm-hmm. what's already happened. They've already made the decision earlier that week to come to mass. That's not a leading indicator. A leading yeah. indicator would be, Patrick is a youth minister. How many times are you interacting with teens in between youth group, right? Like, are you, are you having phone calls? Are you having small groups? Are you going to the, how many times do you go to the high school every single week? Right. Yeah, like the, exactly. the high school, the Catholic high school that's across the street. Like one of, one of my, a really good example of a lead, a leading indicator that we, we came up with in the, in the close of my time at Holy spirit was, um, how many, how many, no, how many no shows that I contact after mm-hmm. youth group? So the kids that didn't show up at youth group that week, how many of them did I contact? And that did increase attendance. Like we were able to use leading indicators mm-hmm. to show trends in lagging indicators. Yes. And as my youth minister, my old youth minister, Mark, used to say, he's like, what you don't track won't improve. Mm-hmm. Like what you don't track, you can't improve. It might improve on its own, but you can't improve it. And so like, yeah. and, and, but, but we love as something similar that we found in COVID people love, 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 love lagging indicators. They do. They really yeah, are all about everyone. Them. Everyone's like the deaths are over nine thousand. The deaths are surging. Everything is going, and it's like, yeah, but that was because that was because like you know it was Memorial Day uh, a month ago. It's like it's not getting worse. We don't know that it's getting worse. We just know that it was bad before mm-hmm. and transmit anyway. But we like we like those lagging indicators because they don't take any more work. <laughs> salacious. That's tr- more salacious. Yeah, that's true. You know. Yeah. So similarly, it's like how many how many butts in seats we have on a Sunday, or how many cold hard how much cold hard cash we have in the basket. And this it's goes whether easier, it's positive yeah. or negative, because if you have lots of butts and seats, and if you have lots of cash, it's easy to say we're doing great. Yeah. And then and then you let go of the things that got you there in the first place, which is why you see these fluctuations of you know things going well or things not going as well because people get comfortable because they they love 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 the lagging indicator, uh, and. This is not our topic at all. This is not what I wanted to talk about. No, it's today. not. But I'm writing it down because I'm I'm going to bring it up at our next. Uh, yeah, I I really I really game. am convicted. I this is it's just crazy to me how a simple mindset shift and doing something differently for a week. I think it might be the best thing instead of training focused missionaries to fundraise. You know, it's just like put them in put them in a sales job for two weeks, <laughs> and teach them how to be a salesperson. And then they'll be better at fundraising. I like literally. I feel like after this week, I would be so much better at fundraising and at my job week to week mm-hmm. on campus. Or um, don't make them fundraise at all and just train a couple of people in each region to fundraise really, really hard for everybody. That could work. I don't know. I might work. I don't know. I mean, if there's about a thousand missionaries and each of them make about well, depending on the size of their family, anywhere from thirty-five thousand dollars a year to a hundred thousand dollars a year. That's there's very few of them. You think you think focus missionaries are pulling a hundred thousand? There are absolutely focus missionaries that are really? pulling that much because there are some focus missionaries with seven kids. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> so they have to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to in order to feed their family. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Yeah, that 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 might take away the uh, doing decentralizing the uh, or no centralizing the fundraising may may take away the hunger. You know, right? Like, I got to fundraise or I won't. My kid won't starve, but it will also help provide more security. <laughs> right. It's just yeah. It's. It just depends. 
I, as of now, the the reason that Focus Missionary is fundraised individually is because that it's so much easier to scale that. Like if everybody's yeah. responsible for their own fundraising, they don't have to worry about organizationally providing funding for 200 new missionaries every year. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause it's just, you go back to your own uh, regions, go back to your own cities, fundraise and then come, come back, you know, and then you can just grow, which is a good, good model for growth. Is it a good model for stability? That's up, up in the air. Yeah. I mean, that, that just, this has made us be a personal gripe because I, I personally am a little, a little wary of the, f- personal fundraising aspect of things really yeah I've, I've just never i've never liked it it's always made me a little like i don't know it's just yeah it's anyway. okay you're not gonna hurt my feelings. i don't work there anymore they, i know they I, I just i just don't i just me. don't like <laughs> i it feels it feels strange it feels strange yeah like i get i get that it, but like if, if coming from the outside mm-hmm. you know yeah just hey you work for us now okay Go get people to give you money. We'll take a cut. You know, it just feels strange. Yeah. Doesn't it? A little bit. And it it, it, it feels like in the wrong hands, it could be a grift. You know? Mm-hmm. like <laughs> I, I know it's not. I, I, I trust Focus and the powers that be. Um, uh, I trust his eminence, Dr. Ted Shree. <laughs> but <laughs> we, could, we could have Ted on the show and be like, hey, I know you. No, we can't because he said no four he, years he ago, did say no. and that and, no stands. And you will never let go of that. <laughs> he said, "Oh yeah, my wife likes podcasts. I've heard of podcasts before." Blah blah blah. And then two months later, even he started a podcast about all things Catholic. All things Catholic. That's not fair. We talk about some things Catholic. All he things, took our brand. All things Catholic includes our podcast, so he has to come on because it's. I need to stop yelling. I know. I don't know if there's anybody in the office. There could right be now. the janitor's going to walk and be like, "Are you good?" Are you okay? I'm really, you know, yeah, I'm fine. Fine. that's why I left the door unlocked in case someone comes in. Yeah, because then if you're yelling and you're laughing and the door's locked, it's like, what's going? They only can hear your <laughs> side of the conversation, <laughs> and you're giggling. That, that, that just that just encourages them to tune in next week on the Crunch Podcast. All this to say, so you lost our shirt deal. <laughs> you thought I I, you thought I would forget, and I didn't forget. So do we have to pay any money? Like, are we liable for that? Or uh, no, no, I okay. talk. I mean, the the good thing about here's here's the thing. Tell me, this is nothing. I won't say their brand just in case it does feel like we're dunking on them, but I won't say their name. But Spring Tea, we do. No, it's not Teespring. Teespring. Um, oh no, we do. We do have a good relationship with the people that run this organization. Yeah. They're 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 the they're the fulfiller for a lot of organizations that we trust and work with. Um. But we, I, I think, I think when we started this this relationship again, this is only about a year that we've been doing this, and one of those years was COVID. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like we started, we started talks about a merch shop. I remember in in March of 2020. Yeah, and he was like, and he was like, uh, we should wait because you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> uh, something could ruin your merch launch in March of 2020. And I was like, ah, is that really what he said? Like, yeah, and then we didn't launch it until we didn't launch the actual merch store until much, much later. And I think things got a lot like lost in the shuffle. And like over the last year, things have obviously been very stressful for me and difficult for me to keep up with. And like the the reality is, um, we make more money from advertising than we do for merchandise oh, in yeah. terms of overhead cost mm-hmm. because an advertisement is a, is a couple of emails and a recording session, whereas merchandise is like ordering, shipping, all this stuff. And so I think, I think discontinuing merchandise will be what's best for us and for the podcast. Mm-hmm. And like when we can hire someone who can do that for us yeah. when we're at that point, yeah. 
But as the great and powerful Joe Rogan says, we need to hire someone to do something. You're doing too many things. <laughs> Does he, really need to, say he said that? he said he said we need to hire an assistant. That means you're doing too many things. He just stop he doing employs a producer for his podcast. Yeah, that's it. He just has one producer. He does like a personal assistant. Oh, you know? okay. Like when when you need to hire a personal assistant, oh, okay. you're doing too many things. Gotcha. But the, Tim Ferriss would disagree because he's like, you need to hire a personal Bangladeshi assistant for your own personal life. Yeah, my, my virtual assistant is a good friend of mine. And Who's your virtual assistant? Her name's, is it me? Her name's Shella, and she's oh. from the Philippines, and she's great. She seems great. Yeah, she's wonderful. Um, Do you guys each get your own assistant, or is it like one for the company? I think it's one for the company. I think it's it's both. Like We have one that specifically works for the company for like the tasks that most benefit the company. And like we, I think we pay more for that. Um, but then there's also like through the subscription to the database, you can, anybody who uses it can send an email to the, to the virtual assistant and say, Hey, please do this task. And it's associated with your email address. And then whoever okay. just gets it will do it, you know, based on, Gotcha. I think there's just a whole pool of people that are doing the work. Yeah. yeah. There, there, I, I read there are personal assistants that can do like regular work like that, but mm-hmm. there are also assistants who can format and, and do citations for academic papers. So oh, you can yeah. send your academic paper and they'll do Absolutely. the citations for it. There's like varying degrees of Literally expertise. anything. Like if I had a, maybe a more complicated task, all I would have to do is just take a video of my screen doing it a mm-hmm. couple times and then send it to them and then just, and then they would learn how to do it. You know, That's like so it's cool. just... I mean, because they're people, right? And it's a lot yeah. of this stuff is uh, very easy to learn. We could spend time machine learning how to do this, but why not just send it to Sheila or Shella? Shella, Shella. I added the I had made it American. My bad. <laughs> yeah. Shout out Shella. Is she is she is she the one listener from the Philippines? Does she listened to our podcast. Uh, no, I didn't bring it up during our business meeting yesterday. <laughs> you should. <laughs> You'd be like, hey, Shella. My I, I will, no, they actually. So the one of the people, one of the ladies that works for the company, Ann Cook, listens to this podcast, and that's weird. Really? Because she mentions it like as I as my first week of work. She goes, oh yeah, I was listening to the podcast last weekend, and I was like, okay. As my parishioners at Holy Spirit slowly, slowly figured out about the podcast, I was like, I got to get out. I got to know it's time to leave. That's how, that's the real reason why youth ministry is a limited gig is because they find out about your side projects and they're like, oh gosh. <laughs> and they're like, we got to run this guy out of town. It's like, no, they figured here. out the grift. <laughs> <laughs> they figured out I do Twitch in my free time. Oh, I forgot to. Okay. So we can, uh, what, how, what are we at? Do you want to do hot take time? I have today? no idea where we're at. I'm just, I'm we're, just okay, enjoying. We're like, seven, we're like, we're like, we're like 10. 15 minutes. In. I'm enjoying so talking to my friend cool. Patrick. That's what I'm that, doing. I, I'm, I'm here too. We don't, I'm, I'm here for this too, but I want, I did, I forgot to announce this before the show, but this is actually something that's really exciting. Big deal. Big deal. So, you know, I've, I've written, I've written two articles for American media right now. Yes. Okay. Uh, I, the two milestone is a pretty big one. One is pretty big. So like I, the, the first <laughs> three article, is pretty big. Four is pretty three big. Is, three is <laughs> the first. It's like diminishing returns. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like, the first one's really cool, mm-hmm. and then the second one is like as twice as cool, and then the third one is like yeah. a quarter times as cool, and then as as you write more, and you never reach um, you never reach three times as cool because it's just never reach three times as cool. It just gets smaller no. and smaller. Pour me half a beer. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the first one was awesome, but the problem with the first one was this: I wrote it in an hour, I submitted it, and it was accepted the next morning. Hmm. Okay. This I, I submitted so three more we're talking over about the grifts. course of the next couple. That seems yeah, like right. a grift. <laughs> the the next then I wrote three articles over the next three weeks and none of them were accepted. Huh. Um. And so like that's the thing is like I I kind of like struck gold on the first one. They were like this is exactly what we're looking for. Um. But then they came back to me and said, hey, this one that you submitted, we liked it, 
but we just never we did, they didn't decline it they just didn't accept it mm-hmm. they just kind of left it in purgatory right and so they said we like it but we want you to apply it to a current event and so i wrote an article i shifted the article and i made it about a current event they liked it so much they're considering it for the print publication that would be so amazing right i'm so <laughs> proud he was of like, you and he was like this will be more eyes on you and like you know you'll get more name recognition as a writer and i was like this is great whoa whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. nobody's allowed to lay eyes on you but me <laughs> I'm the only one that gets to look at you. There's a reason this is an audio podcast, is that only Ethan can see my beautiful, beautiful hair and the the, yes. the, the fluctuating weights that I've had over the past four years. I know all I about... I go up and down. I know all about Patrick's up. fluctuations. Is the average listener or reader of America Magazine going to read your article and be like, I bet this guy's fluctuated? No. <laughs> they're not going to say that. They're no, not going to know not. anything about you. They're, not, they're only going to know the words on the page. And the picture that I the picture that I had my friend take about four years ago, <laughs> that that shows up on my Gmail. What's the What's the article about? Can you tell? The article is about me? credit cards mm. and minimum wage. Mm. Yeah, the thesis of the article is essentially that we don't know how much the minimum wage needs to go up because credit cards, um, they kind of and they they make it ambiguous. We can't really see. We don't really know how much money people need per month because they put things on credit cards and huh. they carry over a balance. Um, and I found a bunch of statistics that talked about like not even in 2020, but in 2019, people were putting like their rent on their credit card. Yeah. It was about like, I think it was about 50% of Americans have paid for basic needs using credit cards. That's and, nuts. Yeah. And in 2020, people were putting rent on their credit cards. It was getting worse. Um, and so I also talked about something called the investor's dilemma. Did I, have I talked to you about this before? Uh, maybe, but tell me again. The investor's dilemma is this theory of economics that is like uh, John Madai wrote about it. It's pretty, it's pretty new, but it's very Chestertonian. Mm. Uh, and he talks about, okay, so here's the investor's dilemma. Uh, we can increase profits mm-hmm. by decreasing the cost of materials or decreasing the cost of labor. Yeah. Right. So by yeah. lowering wages, it's, there's, there's a certain, there's a certain point where you can't decrease materials anymore. Mm-hmm. So at a certain point, the investor is going to decrease the cost of labor. They're going to lower wages, but you run into a problem especially if you're a company that wants to own everything like Amazon. Yeah. If you employ millions of people across the world and you lower their wages, now those millions of people aren't paid enough to buy your products. Yeah. So you're actually, by lowering wages, you're actually going to decrease your profits. Now, there's a couple of solutions to this. You can lower taxes, which I, I didn't talk about in the in mm-hmm. the article. You, you got to stay um, focused when you write articles. You do have to stay focused. This is something that I'm bad at. <laughs> but one of the one of the main solutions to this is credit cards, consumer credit, because mm. you've lowered their wages, but you've given them money, fake money. Ah. So now, so now they can buy a product. And the credit card company pays you. So you have your money and now they they have to worry about paying the interest, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a solution to the investor's dilemma. Um, someone commented on the article. They were like, um, that's not the businesses doing that though. That's the banks. And I'm like, who do you think the investors are? Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> also, Amazon has credit cards. Apple has credit cards. Why do you think every company, why do you think, why do you think Macy's has credit cards? I went it's not shopping, because they're nice. I went shopping for a belt this week. I went, I went shopping for more than a belt. I went to multiple stores. Emma was very impressed with me because I bought four polos on my own. I needed work clothes. I don't have any work. I've been working as a yeah. college missionary. For and polos are great for showing properties because it's like casual, but it's also right. like, oh, this guy cares if this is professional. I got polos. I got a nice and pair of jeans. Off. You look good in a polo. Thank you. I should Dark show texture. you. I should, I felt good in a polo. This like Because <laughs> they actually fit. 
You know, I've been doing some. I've been doing some chest exercises. Oh, yeah. Uh huh. And I got four polos. I got a nice pair of jeans. I got a nice pair of like, like nice navy slacks. Nice. And then and then I needed a belt. The belt took me so long because I went to J.C. Penney's. Uh-huh. No belts. I don't know if you know this, but the the size thirty two waist very common. <laughs> everybody everybody buys that one apparently. Yeah. Uh, uh. And they so they only had like the weird super western belt with like the studs, <laughs> yeah. or like a or like a really trendy white belt. You know, uh-huh. it, just, you it just, just So I had to, I went to J C Penney, didn't find anything. Went to uh, 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 what's the other one? Dillard's, didn't mm-hmm. find anything. Had to go in the Macy's. Uh, didn't find anything. Every single time I walked into the store, somebody asked me if I wanted the credit card. Somebody asked me if I wanted the credit card. I don't. Why? I, I literally said to the woman at the final one, I was like, I don't come to Macy's, but once every five years, I do not need your credit <laughs> card. And she said, Well, you could you could get points. I was like, What's what point? What points? What for? What's what, the point? What game? What game yeah. are we playing? What's what game are we playing? I don't want to win. It's just it's well, it's Jeff Bezos trying to get yeah. me to get, have this credit card so that I can mm-hmm. buy more stuff on Amazon. You know what? I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it because after I read years, Patrick's article years, in America Mag. After years of denying the Bell's department credit card, my mom finally gave in. Really? And and got the Bell's department store credit card. But the reason that she got it makes sense because she goes to Bell's pretty much every four days. And that's when you get those rewards back. I don't know what Bell's days. is. <laughs> Bell's is a Floridian department store. Okay. Uh, I have very... an idea of what they sell, but maybe tell me if I'm wrong. They don't sell Bell's. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, it looks like Beals, uh, but it's Bells, and it's B-E, and then the A is like a bell, and then L-L-S. Huh. Bells. Yeah. yeah, we used to go there all the time. It's not like in a mall. It's just in like strip malls. Why do you so need to go to a yeah. department store every four days? Like, what could you need? I go... I, I, literally, I go, It's not every four days. It's okay, not every I was about to days. say. She'll like, get mad if I mischaracterize it. But yeah, my mom has a Bells coupon. I go uh, twice Bell's a decade card. to a department store. Yeah. My my uncle, he bought me, he was like really nice to me. He bought me like a pair of shoes once. He was like, oh, we'll get you some nice shoes. He got, we went to a Lee's Ooh, store. I don't even, I don't, and you're he, naming all th- kinds of things I don't know about. This is like, a, this is like a fancy men's store. So we got, or I don't know if it's just a men's store. It's another department store. A haberdashery? These, yeah, <laughs> haberdashery. He, he got me these really nice shoes and they were like, would you like, would you like the, the store card? And he was like, absolutely. And so he signed up for the credit card. And I was like, oh, are you going to come back here often? And he's like, no, I'm going to go home and cancel it. And I was like, I would not remember. Mm-hmm. I would forget. Some people have the diligence. Virtual assistant, remind me to cancel all my credit cards. You know, some people can. Some people can play the game. Some people can. Play I can't play the game. I don't need the stress in my life. Also, I'm pretty sure it's against Catholic social teaching to use credit, not just to not just to, for it to exist, but to use it at all. Is it against Catholic social teaching to get a mortgage? Wow, you just told everybody <laughs> in the country <laughs> that they violated Catholic social teaching. I think no, 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 no. I hear what you're saying, one. but also, what can you do? I know. Well, yeah, it's one of those things of like we are we are in a in a system that is built on debt. So, mm-hmm. are you held it's liable? So built on debt. It's so built on debt that like economists are like, yep, that 1.3 trillion dollar stimulus package that put us into a ton of debt that makes a lot of sense economic sense we need to have inflation because otherwise you can't lower interest rates i'm like what (laughs) what (laughs) but no that's true you can't lower interest rates below inflation yeah if if inflation is zero you can't lower interest rates interest rates at all because it's zero right and i'm like okay 
What if we didn't have interest rates? <laughs> that doesn't work. What if we didn't? What if we didn't commit usury all the time? Patrick, what if we didn't do that? But my, okay. this is where my breathe, cousin. This breathe. is where my cousin comes in. This is where my cousin comes in and says, "Patrick, this is an ideal fantasy world that you're building. We need to talk about the real world." Like my my cousin works in 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 politics, and sometimes I argue with him about politics. But I'm I'm talking about like, what if the Seventeenth Amendment didn't exist? And he's like, "Patrick, that that's just not going to happen." Patrick, there's been there's been interest forever. America is not the first country to invent interest and usury. No, I know this. Okay. I know this. Okay, good. It's because we are sinful, sinful people. Yeah. And I'm, 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 just, I'm just someone saying, what if we weren't? <laughs> what if we decided to not? <laughs> it's actually very easy to not sin. It's easier to not do something than it is to do something, right? So it's very easy to not sin. This is what I tell my students. We were talking about chastity the other day. Yeah. And I was like, think about it like this. First of all, sex before marriage, that's pretty cringe. Second, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh. I was like, second... Uh, it's easier to not do something than it is to do it. So just don't do a sin. Just decide not to. You just need to be lazy. You need Should to be lazy. You need to commit Wait. sloth about sin. <laughs> I'm too lazy to get up. To you can't commit sloth sin. about sin. That's a that's a that's an oxymoron. I know, but since you just told them to do. No, being lazy isn't what sloth is. Being know, sloth, know, sloth know, is a is a lack of motivation towards the good. How about how about sloth's brother sloth? <laughs> it's a lack of motivation towards the bad. <laughs> Sloth. <laughs> sloth is my new favorite virtue. <laughs> and it's spelled S L U with an umlaut. With an umlaut. <laughs> and then an O with the with that, the line through it. That would be sleuth. sleuth. It was an umlaut. <laughs> Sl- sloth. I don't know. Yeah. Sleuth. Sloth. The H has an umlaut for some reason. <laughs> Twenty one with a slash through it. Pilots with a with a with another slash through it. Is that a band? 21 pilots <laughs> <laughs> no no it's a it's a uh it's a it's a union it's a it's, a, it's southwest airlines yeah. <laughs> they're trying to shut it's it a down. line it's a line in um it's a line in the play all my sons i don't know if you knew that 21 pilots is a reference to the, the play all my sons really yeah in the play all my sons spoiler alert the guy sells bad steel to the army uh to the military and um the planes that are built with that steel, uh, they they all crash, and his son was one of those pilots, Ooh. and so he says, "I guess they were all my sons." That's the name of the play. That's all so sad. Yeah, I know. And so it's, it was twenty one pilots. Yeah. Mm. Who wrote this play? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Is he okay? Have we checked in on him lately? I don't know. All playwrights are. This is why I can never be an artist because I'm well adjusted. <laughs> I worry about playwrights because it's mm-hmm. it's one thing to write a novel. It's another thing. To write write a story, but then every other line, like at a bracket that says, Peter is now dressed up like a chicken, and then end bracket, <laughs> you know, comes in from uh, stage right, you know, it's just it's yeah. it feels it feels odd. It does. It's it's choppy. Yeah, is what it is. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of the Crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. What are we doing? Are we are we doing the are we doing the thing? I, I think we're done with hot take time machine. That's it. Thank you for listening to the hot take time machine. If you got a hot take five years old, or send it in info at thecrutchios.com. Patrick, you want to go to the topic? I do indeed. Okay. This is good. I feel like I've really, I've been able to relax, you know, talking to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am in the, I'm sure you're in this as well. The 
forming intentional disciples Facebook group. Oh yeah, I am. I love it. Uh, most, I don't get on Facebook every day, but when I do get on, I tip, I tend to hop over and just see like what Sherry Waddell has posted that day because goodness, that woman, that woman probably uses an assistant. That woman, that woman is a poster. Yeah. She is online. She is online every day and it's all good. I didn't, I didn't know it's it was possible great. for someone to be online every day, actually say good things. Yeah, it's insane. But there was an article. What, what, did, what did she post? I haven't. I haven't. Well, there, there was I an article from the Christian Post, which I found to be very interesting, and okay. I am I'm pulling it up right now so that I remember exactly what it's called. Was uh, it 13 hours ago that she posted this? Uh, no, it was. It was, it was on. I don't know when it was posted, but the, the name... One of my favorite things on the Forming Intentional Disciples is the constant reminders. Hey, before you post, uh, search if the question has been asked before, because it reminds me of Reddit. Yeah, because a <laughs> lot of the questions posted? on there are like, how do I how do I start a small group? And it's like, how about you just maybe just read the book that the, that the group is based on? Just look it up. Just look it up. It's just online. That's why the, one of the questions <laughs> is, have you read Forming Intentional Disciples? <laughs> yeah. Uh. The article is from the ChristianPost.com, and the title of the article, maybe you saw this, Responding to the Don't Know, Don't Care About God crowd. And in the this, this story, the author is a guy who used to work at a software firm or something and got to know one of his coworkers, and they're talking, and they're having a great time, and he gets into the fact that he's a Christian, and they're talking about, you know, like, oh, I'm Christian, what about you? And the guy just aggressively responds with, I don't, I don't want to talk about God, I don't know if he exists, I don't really care if he exists. And the article is kind of reflecting on something that we kind of see on the ground because we we're with Gen Z and millennials often. Yeah. Um, but people who maybe are more used to the, the bigger threats to Christianity over the past 30 years being scientism, atheism, agnosticism, uh, Scientology, 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 meteorology, Bart Simpson and Tom Cruise, <laughs> Bi- biology, biology, <laughs> I herpetology. What if a dinosaur got in the lake? What if a dinosaur got in the lake? <laughs> Cryptozoology. I just love Cryptozoology. The, I love how close he is to the mic and the way that he says it. Uh, but, <laughs> but I think, but I think, uh, I love it because that's the internet. It is. It, yeah what was i you totally threw me off um, i'm sorry <laughs> we were talking about all the th- don't know don't care the threats the old threats to christian christianity was relativism everybody's worried about relativism for a long time modernism, modernism post well, kind of postmodernism, modernism everything and so this guy was kind of reflecting on you know it's i don't think that those things are the biggest threats there's actually a study that came out it's like it's not really people are hardline atheists there are definitely some of those people um, much easier to talk to a hardline atheist. That's the thing that I've learned. I would rather talk to an atheist than, than the, the person they call an apatheist. Like they just don't care. Um, and he cited a study in the article. That's Maybe an apathist. Apathist? Apatheist? Apathy, apatheism. Apatheism. Uh, 50% of Gen Z or and 40 plus percent of millennials are apatheists. And it's just this huge block of people that don't respond to apologetics in the same way that someone who actually have has a belief system would respond mm-hmm. to. Cause if, if someone's honestly an atheist, I know that I can engage them on philosophical topics and on things about the transcendentals and those kinds of things that are, we can actually have a conversation because I know where he stands and he knows where he stands. Uh, and he's decided like, this is what I believe. 
and apatheist is kind of this it's the the we talk about i feel like we've talked about apathy before but i want to kind of approach it from a different way of there are people out there who have everything they need at their fingertips you know we're just talking about amazon credit cards like i can i can finance everything that i ever want and i'll die before the debt catches up to me <laughs> you know i i can have the right amount of kids so that i can live comfortably i don't have to have too many children uh i can enjoy literally the best entertainment that's ever been produced in history whenever I want, however I want. And that's just how people are living. And so when you ask them the question, do you believe in God? You know, are you a Christian? Whatever. We see a lot of this. You know, I've never really thought about it. You know, like I was raised this way or my parents do this and I went to church with them, but now it's like, ah, I'm kind of, I'm too busy. The thing that I heard most often when I was, at college is, is we'd kind of ask people, are you happy? You know, are you happy mm-hmm. doing what you're doing? Cause we know ultimately that it, that those things don't fulfill you. They don't make you happy, but people more and more, I feel like even in the shift from going, being at K state and being a student there, people were very honest with me about the fact that like they went to parties every week and they knew that something was wrong about that. Like at least we could have that conversation. And they would say to me, Ethan, I really admire that you don't drink every, every weekend. And I'd say, why do you admire that? And they'd be like, well, I want to, but I just don't. And then I always feel really bad the next day, like physically. And I can't get everything done that I like, even if they know it's not a moral thing, they recognize that something's disordered, you know? Yeah. And I would talk to My students. sensual appetites are not. Uh, right. Yeah. And then I talked to students at Tulsa, but you know, four years later and I would ask that same question. Are you happy? They'd be like, yeah, my life is pretty good. And I, and I would be like, so you're, you're perfectly like you, there would be nothing that you would change about your life knowing that they, you know, aren't living the best doing whatever, pick your poison. And they would say, yeah, I mean, I'll, I have a lot of friends. I've got, I've got good grades. I've, I'm going to have a job when I get out of college. I've got no reason to change. So nothing that you're offering me is really that intriguing. And like, I'll be nice. Like, that's the thing is like, they're going to be nice to me. They're not opposed. They're like, that's great. So in that way, it is kind of a relativism, but it's not a what's good for you is good for you and what's good for me is good for me. It's like, it's really cool that you've got this. Maybe I need it. Maybe I want it. I don't really care. <laughs> Ultimately. <laughs> and it's, I think, I think that the, the different, the first thing that I think of is like, sure, ask them, hey, are you, are you happy? Is a good question. But I think follow it up with they say yes and you can say i don't mean content Mm -hmm. i mean happy Mm -hmm. there's a huge difference and it's like my 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 okay so i i I learned recently that i have trouble defining positive emotions ah yes something that i'm this is something that i'm working on welcome to the psychology cast well one second so my because my counselor said she said hey for the next for the next week two weeks i want you to uh at at in the morning before you go to bed and sometime in the middle of the day, I want you to write down how you're feeling. And I noticed that there was a ton of diversity in my negative emotions, mm-hmm. but there was not a lot of diversity in my positive emotions. Yeah. It was, I feel content. I feel fine. I feel normal. I feel, you know, uh, at peace was one of them. Good. Which is like, uh, that's different. I felt like, and I kind of self-select that one out of the pile, but I was using synonyms for basically the same thing. What's the contentment. name? What's the name of the feeling when you go to the bathroom and you have a really big, number two and then afterwards you, you feel <laughs> really good about it is there a word i'm pretty that? sure that's relieved really add relieved to my positive emotions <laughs> list. virtual assistant please schedule a task to remind me to feel relieved later today 
Um, I'm glad to hear the tradition of you going number two before the podcast is still alive and oh, well. <laughs> oh, baby, it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was it was it was kind of eye opening because like I I had written down happy and I'd written down excited. Those are the only two emotions that I uh-huh. felt over the course of two weeks that were positive that were not just n- normal baseline. Yeah, and hmm. it kind of opened something up because like obviously I had felt positive emotions. I just couldn't recognize them. And I think it's because like so many things are just taken care of for us. Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like imagine you're just in a warm bath all the time, mm-hmm. and someone drops one ice cube in, and you're just like, oh gosh, yeah. oh, how'd my, you do that? My knee feels so cold now, yeah. and it goes away, and you're like, oh, okay, oh, cool, okay, it's normal again. <laughs> we kind of have this like static baseline of I feel fine, mm-hmm. I'm fine, you know, mm-hmm. I'm here, mm-hmm. and then if anything goes wrong, we can we can immediately tell like okay, I feel frustrated and tired because I haven't slept a lot and someone's bugging me, or I feel hungry and that's making me cranky because I haven't eaten enough, and but when something is above that, it's hard for us to to acknowledge it, and it's hard for if something's above the baseline of fine, yeah, the base fine. If something's above it, it's hard for us to recognize it because it's like oh, this area of the tub is like a little warmer, but like that's fine. It's just you know that's normal. Um, we're kind of just in this in this desensitized state, I think. And I I checked Decadent Society by Ross Duthat out of the library recently. <clears throat> really, I've been reading his yeah. Substack posts. Is it is the book good? Is it worth a read? I, I haven't started oh, okay. it. Okay, um, yeah, you should. Check yeah, it out. It, I've, I'm in the middle of reading fiction books. I've, I've told myself I need to read more fiction books. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Crime and Punishment is making me sad. We're, oh, I we're past the crime. We're into punishment, and I'm just. Oh, I think I checked that out. I got to run by the library after. Yeah, you got to grab that. Gotta, we got to talk about punishment. That. Bible cast Dostoevsky cast. Dostoevsky cast. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah, I think I think that's I think that's kind of where where a lot of your your students were at is like oh I feel fine but like that fineness is just like I think this is what happiness is, but it's not like the 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 philosophical the Greek eudaimonia where it's like human flourishing. They're mm-hmm. not flourishing. They're yeah. just normal um and i think christianity once you have tasted that once you've kind of lived in such a way actually i wouldn't say that because I've, I've also felt this this fine staticness i don't know god god wants to offer you a life that's better than fine yes and once you taste that you're gonna be like okay first of all the negative things don't matter anymore because i'm all the way up here mm-hmm. and also i never want to go back to just being fine again yeah um yeah, what are your what are your thoughts on that? I think uh, I agree with the the flat line. And I don't know if it's because we're busier. Like the pace of life is faster now than it used to be. Uh a hundred years ago. Right? Because we have cars and the internet. And so you can be somewhere you can be more places more quickly. You can learn more things more quickly and you can talk to way more people more quickly. And so naturally, the speed at which you live is going to be way faster. It used to be like you tell somebody, hey, we're going to we're going to go to we're going to go into town. And you, I'm reading this book, this old book from uh, that was written by uh, Trez's sister, Celine, I'm pretty sure, about her father. And I uh, I got it from England. I might have talked about it on the podcast. Um and then I just got the one for the mother, uh, for Emma as well, uh, for Louis and Zelly. And it's just the reflections of Therese's sister and the, all of their writings and all of their letters and everything about their parents. And they talked about her dad 
um, Louis, when he would go into town for business or he would, you know, travel around Europe to sell the lace from like the lace making company that they had, mm-hmm. uh, he would he would try to be back, you know, always within a certain time frame. But there were some times where he wouldn't come back, and they wouldn't know where he was for a week, because he would have he stopped and helped someone, you know, do something, you know, like help somebody move or help somebody gave somebody some money or like he was doing something that took up his time yeah. on his way back home to his family, and they kind of lived in that. Oh, we were worried about our dad because he's not home yet, and it was like a little thing. It's just kind of a. You know, she was writing. Sometimes when Papa's gone, he wouldn't come back, and we were we were worried. And you know, and then he would come back and explain to us this, and it's just kind of a throwaway line, but it made me think, oh, like if somebody doesn't know where I am, you know, like if Emma didn't know where I was, this is a little bit different. But like, if Emma didn't know where I was, because at this time his wife was dead, so he kind of was just, and his daughters were older. But if Emma didn't know where I was, she would lose her. She would call the police. You know, like (laughs) there's no room anymore for the slowness of travel and the slowness of information and like sending a letter ahead of you, you know, Mm -hmm. like that doesn't really work because I can, if I send a letter to my family that lives in Kansas city before I leave and then I leave the same day, I'm going to get there before the letter gets there. Yeah, exactly. And so it doesn't, it doesn't make much sense. And so it always boggled my mind when I was reading books that like people would send messengers ahead of them. I'm like, why are you, is that messenger getting there faster than you? And I was like, oh oh, yeah, yeah. it takes a long time to move a group of 20 people longer than it takes one person. Yes. So I'm saying this because (laughs) I, I recognize that our flat line maybe comes from the fact, maybe this is one source is we're, everything's fast. When Jesus was walking around with the disciples, this is the other point I'm going to talk about. Jesus, like they, he said, we're going to, we're going to walk to Jerusalem today. You know, like he, if he wanted to make a point to them about the temple, he wouldn't just talk about the temple. He'd be like, all right, everybody pack it up. We're going to, we're going into Jerusalem and we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you what I mean. Right. Um, And it took him a week to get there, you know, and that's in, in between that, because Jesus was trying to get them there to make a point. That's kind of where their communal life happened. And that's where they fell in love with each other and fell in love with his teachings and where they encountered people and and interactions happen and it's because of that if they were able to drive there like that that you lose all of that and the reason that god became man is because he wanted to redeem every part of the human experience which is why jesus was born into abject poverty uh and suffered the the worst torture and the worst death that anyone's ever had but he also had the most abundance that anyone's ever had. He made food out of, out of nothing. He, he made his flesh into food that lasts forever. He gave us water to drink that lasts forever. Um, and so there was, there was a, a deepness of his poverty and of his suffering, but, a, but a, such a, a height that's never been reached by anyone else yeah. of, of his joys and his, the glory. And, that's why Christ's life still to this day is such like we can read the gospels over and over again and never get tired of it because it's the fullness of the human experience. And I think something has to do with the pace of life, but it also has to do with Jesus allowed himself to be taken deep down and, and way up based on what the father willed for him that day. <laughs> like Lazarus's death, you know, Jesus wept Lazarus back to life. Jesus is rejoicing. Mm-hmm he didn't want Lazarus to die. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I, I think that there's, we've, we flatline because we don't 
one, we don't slow down. And two, we don't allow ourselves to experience. Like if we start to get too excited, we're like, this can't be real. You know, we talk ourselves out of it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and then if we, we go deep down, we have lots of, you know, drugs and uh, other things that will prevent us from, from going deep down because everybody tells, you know, mental health check in. How are you? You know, like sometimes you're just sad and sometimes things are really hard and mm-hmm. you're, and you're not supposed to get pulled up out of it right away. Obviously oh, yeah. there's, there's exceptions it's, and there's lots of asterisks with that sentence, but you know what I'm trying to say? I mean, there have been, there have been times. So like I, I've, I, I have generalized anxiety disorder, my therapist, and I have decided that, uh, it is not my, my condition is not such that I need medication. Um, that is not the case for everyone with this, this, this ailment. Um, sure. But medicine is me, not I, a bad thing. Medicine is not bad. There are there are times when my anxiety is so bad that I can't go to sleep, mm-hmm. and I literally am thinking like, "What is there in my house that can make me sleep right now?" <laughs> and I I'm, I recognize consciously I'm like, "Well, the only answer is alcohol, and that road is bad. Yes, <laughs> that is a bad road." But like now I understand more as like, okay, I understand why people use this as a coping mechanism, mm-hmm. you know. And also I know from having had alcohol before that even if your alcohol, even if alcohol does make you sleepy, you don't sleep well. <laughs> no. Yeah. You don't. You're always, um, you always have a headache when you wake up, even if you're not exactly. drunk. It's like you're dehydrated. You're sad. You're, <laughs> yeah. It's just, it does, doesn't feel good. You're like I hate this. I've decided yeah, to so only it, drink alcohol like at dinner, you know? And then after that, it's yeah. like, if I can have a drink, but I need to have four glasses of water after that. Oh, you yeah. know, like I, absolutely. I'm always drinking water when I have alcohol. Yeah. It's like really important. Yeah. It's just bad. Um, although something, something cool about my new job is that I can go meet a friend and uh, have a beer with lunch and then be fine to go back to work like within a couple of hours, which is nice. <laughs> you weren't <laughs> before I, you weren't allowed to have beer at lunch in your last job. Well, no, it's just that, um, None of my friends were close. Ah, yeah, they were. They were. They, so I would have to drive forty-five minutes to go meet with them, uh, and then drive forty-five minutes. And at that point, lunch is over and the workday is over. So. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of my days in Houston. Anyway, uh, we're not talking about alcohol. We're talking about medication. Yes. Um. Yeah, it's it's a very similar idea of like, okay. I stopped. I stopped having tums in my house because when I would overeat and I would need tums to relieve the pain. If I would overeat, I was like, okay, it's fine. Even if I overeat and I have indigestion, because I can just eat Tums and be fine. Mm. Um, but then when I got rid of the Tums in my house, I was like, I can't overeat because I don't have Tums. <laughs> <laughs> I can't uh, I can't overeat and get like st- tummy relief, you know? Um, and so I just kind of have to live with it. I have to use natural methods. I have to use I have to use homeopathic. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have to use natural methods like bubbly water, which I do have a lot of. Interesting. But yeah, and, and and so like medicine, medicine as a as like a, a mod as like a kind of a, an immediate release from pain, I think is not necessarily a good thing. Yeah. Um, medicine as like relief from something that is pain is something that is serious pain. I think is totally fine. But like yeah. a, a medicine that allows you to oh this is what, sorry this is the this is the distinction um, medicine that allows you to not suffer the consequences of your actions <laughs> mm-hmm. is not necessarily a good use of medicine. Um, so like Tums to relieve indigestion because you overindulged is not a good thing. Um, but medicine that relieves your heartburn because you just needed to eat something and it gave you heartburn. That's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's the difference, but there is virtue in not taking medicine like Pierre Giorgio for Saudi. I mean, yeah. he didn't even take, he didn't take medicine. Was that story about him where he like needed an Advil and he asked for an Advil to be cut in half and they were like, wow, something's really wrong with you, huh? Yeah. 
I, I'm pretty sure that's him. Because there is, like, having headaches and body aches and toothaches and colds and illness, like, that's just a part of our fallen nature. Like, that's just, and we don't like it because it means we're less productive. <laughs> uh, and so yeah. we, we chase it away. And anything to get us back to that flat line, anything to get you back to the flat line. Yeah. And I, I th- we're, we're scared to experience the, the depths of it. And there, and there's this, there's weird culture about it because there's some people who love the depths who, who take their depression and flaunt it on social media. And that's just like not helpful. And I, mm-hmm. I get it comes from a good place where they're trying to make it normal and okay to feel that way. Yeah. But it's it's not. It's kind of like glorifying something that's actually not good. Like it's. I think it's hard for people who don't have the Christian worldview to understand that there are ways that we feel that are bad, and they're supposed to be bad because, like you said, it's a consequence of our actions. All men have sinned. You know, like not to sound Protestant, but it's still in the Bible. So you gotta you gotta <laughs> you gotta read it in Romans. Like it's all men have sinned, and we are all. We all deserve death, right? But not for Jesus's grace. And so when we experience the res- the consequences of the choice of sin, we shouldn't run from that, you know, like, yeah. and that's, and, and the, yeah, lots of caveats, but, and then, and then we also, when we receive the, the results of what Jesus did and accepting a life with Christ, you know, on the, on the high point, we shouldn't run from that either. Like it's sometimes it's really intimidating to pray for something and then receive it and then like not know what to do, do with it afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I prayed yeah. for uh, when I moved to Oklahoma City to meet Protestant pastors. I've already met two. <laughs> I've been here for a week and a half. And well, you know, it's Oklahoma. It's true. So they they grow on sense. trees. But the, the guy that we bought couches off of a Facebook marketplace, he's a lead pastor of a church and his dad is a pastor. And then nice. today at the coffee shop that I wasn't planning on going to, but I stopped out on the way home because that's where Emma was meeting a friend. And I just wanted to pop in and say, Hey, uh, that I saw a guy that says with a shirt on, that says, Jesus loves you on it. And I was like, what's your, you're a youth pastor. Like what's going on? He was wearing, and, he, he was, he was wearing a Jesus loves you t-shirt, uh, with a, with a buttoned plaid shirt over it and was standing next to an impossibly attractive woman that there's no way that could be. Oh, that is this his wife. Yes. Youth pastor. That's absolutely exactly yeah. what happened. <laughs> I'm making youth pastor. I'm making youth minister bingo. Yeah. Uh, one of the spaces is has lived in a rectory. One is an unbelievably attractive spouse. And then another, uh, the free space is angry parishioner phone calls. <laughs> but um, what I was saying, yeah. so that to wrap r- round out that thought was, Jesus is actually giving me what I prayed for. And initially when I first met the guy who dropped off the couches, I was like, I don't know if I should reach out to him. Like he just dropped off the couches and he's moving right now, which is why he's getting rid of the couches. Like I was scared to receive that gift. I sent him an email anyway, you know, and like the guy that I saw today, I immediately just went up to him and said, what's your name? Who are you? Like, let's get, let's get coffee, you know? And it's, and I know that my life now is going to have more depth and more richness to it because I was willing to, do the thing that was maybe a little bit awkward or uncomfortable because I, I asked for something and then Jesus gave it to me and then I decided not to be scared of it. And this, and now I'm connecting this back to what we were originally saying. Like living that way is how you inspire people to believe in something. Mm-hmm. 
is, whoa, that person was all the way down and he's all the way up, not in a weird like sociology or psychology kind of way, but he's okay with going through everything and, and comes out not, not flatlining. Yeah. Like there's still a joy about it, even when in the suffering and a joy in the, in the true joys. I don't know. Why, why don't we have more of that? Like what, what, what is it about Catholics especially that like keeps us on the flat line? Yeah, I'm not sure because I was, I was, I think this is what I was, the point that I wanted to make at the beginning that I kind of just lost track of was like apathyism is one of the biggest problems, one of the biggest adversaries in the church, and we don't realize how much it affects us individually. Because mm-hmm. um, when you're surrounded by a bunch of apathetic yeah. people, you... yeah. Also, it's not new. Oh, totally. I would like to bring that up as well because I, I don't, I people sometimes people um, like to bring up certain uh, certain sinful inclinations. Um, hmm. in the society and go, oh man, kids these days or oh man, people these days, they don't, they're, they're very sexually promiscuous, you know, as if people only 20 years ago discovered that having sex with multiple people, you know, yeah. it's like only, only recently were people discovering orgies, you know, it's like, yeah. of course those happen. Um, Exodus 32, Exodus, yeah. th- it's like, it's, it's in the Bible. Yeah. yeah. This, is something, this is something that, um, uh, people, people call people call Catholics old fashioned for not believing in, um, in homosexual acts as being, as being good. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but in order for the Bible to say that homosexual, homosexual acts are bad, uh, homosexual acts needed to exist before that. Uh, so (laughs) what's more old fashioned? What's more old fashioned? You tell me, (laughs) you tell me. Um, yeah. So like this idea that corruption, this idea that moral corruption is something that happens, uh, recently is, 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 is goofy. Uh, and that's the same with apathy. I mean, people were apathetic about the coming of the Messiah mm-hmm. around the coming of Jesus. People were apathetic about God right before the Babylonian exile. You know, that just happens. Um, the bad news is usually when people get apathetic, God makes them not apathetic really quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so um, pray for the salvation of our country. But um, pray, pray, pray for pray for our continued prosperity because um, this is not something that's guaranteed. Anyway. Um, I don't think we should. I don't think we should approach it as if this this means that it's the end of the church because everyone's no. apathetic. No, 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 means no. Did I say have, that? No, no, no. Oh, okay, cool. But I know that's how. I know that's how. Whenever we talk doom and gloom about, oh, the church is facing this big challenge. You know, yeah. we get very doom and gloom. Like, what are we gonna do? We can't do nothing. Well, Everything we can. Is, we can. Yeah, and we can't at the same time. We can pray and fast. And yes, we can. The, there's another line from the article that talked is some historian who said that the reason that Christianity was so influential in the beginning was because of two things was their universal charity and their communal life. Mm -hmm. Those were the things that caused people to want to be Christian. It was like, I think that same person started trying to make the, was does that? I think it was a Roman emperor. I remember the story. A Roman emperor saw the universal charity of the Christians and their communal life, and so he tried replicating the same thing in the pagan temples, but it didn't work as well. Mm-hmm. But I think that is the I think that is the strat, right? Of like, oh well, what's so appealing to the Christians is community and um, universal charity, and that's something that's plagiarized by um, by mainstream morality. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, we're, we, we I don't need religion to be a good person. Um, I don't need religion to have a community. That's fine. That's true. But we don't present ourselves as a transcendental community with transcendental charity, with mm-hmm. love of even our enemies, you know, yeah. or, or communion even with our enemies. Like, that's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Father Anthony's great line is uh, one of our 
one of our problems that we believe community is a group of people that I all like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I made it a little more quippy than he said. No, that's good. I think we can we can all stand to improve Father Anthony's phrases. Um, yeah, because he just says it. He says it in this like Italian accent. He says "Wahoo" at the end. <laughs> He's always picking up coins and kicking turtles. Yeah. I just don't understand. I can't believe Peach is in a different castle. <laughs> that's pretty good. Thank you. Yeah, that's like I, I I I've got very I got very good impressions. I met. Um, I, I, we have a, we have a, a Tanzanian priest, two Tanzanian priests that have come to visit with us. And so I was learning a couple of phrases in Swahili, which is the language they speak mm. over there. And uh, he was joking with me and I was, he was like, he was like, do you think there are any people around here who speak Swahili? And I was like, now nah, the only, the only thing you'll get out of them is Hakuna Matata. And he was like, ah, yes, Hakuna Matata. <laughs> Does he know? And so I started Hakuna learning Matata? Swahili phrases. Is that a Swahili what? phrase or is that just made it up? It is. It is actually? It is. Yeah. Does it mean no worries? It means no worries for the rest of your days. Really? Yeah, I thought that was. I thought that it was made up for the movie. No, it's not made up oh, for the movie. I feel dumb. <laughs> no, but I learned how to say hello, how are you? Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Swahili. It's um jambo habarigani. That's amazing, jambo. Yeah, and so jambo habarigani. That's how you say it in Swahili. And um, I was I was doing that with with Phoebe, and she was like, "That's actually a pretty good African accent." I was like, "Thank you." Um, I feel weird doing it. <laughs> you shouldn't feel weird. Where you. If, as long as you're doing an impression, you can do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well. <laughs> as long as you're trying to, as long as you're doing an, an impression in good faith, yeah. you know, as long as you're doing an accent in good faith, I think it's important. Yes. We shouldn't, when we, people, people, classmates of mine in my Spanish class in college were very afraid to do the Spanish accent, to pronounce things as a Spanish person would. Um, and it was very, very cringy. That goes back to the... Donde esta la biblioteca. Yeah. That goes back to the whole like being afraid to live a full human life, you know, like I, Ooh, we connected it. It's well, yeah, actually. Cause it's like, I'm only going to speak from what I know. I'm only going to live in this flat line and I'm going to be afraid to enter into anyone else's culture, anyone else's ideas of how things work. That's like a kind of a silly example of white kids being afraid to speak Spanish accurately because they probably know how to do it, but they're afraid that it's going to go wrong or that they're going to maybe learn something, you know, like, I don't know. I feel like we, Yeah. yeah, Anyway, that's uh, that all kind of ties it up. I think we just need to live a more full life. We need to have more charity. And if there's no transcendental community where you are, you have to start to build it. Yeah, you have to start. I just to. I'm kind of in a great position to kind of practice what I preach, and so this is kind of an accountability thing for me being on this podcast every week. Is and you got to keep track of all the people that you could start a transcendental community with, and you got to put them in a database. Put them in a database, and then put them in a database. what we've done is transcended physical, and we're just—it's just a group chat—is what I've made. Um, <laughs> but there was a there was a guy who I saw at mass, you know, for a couple days in a row, and I just like chased after him, you know, today, mm-hmm. or was it yesterday? It was yesterday. I just said, "Hey, what's your name? I just need to know people, you know, in the in the area." And I think when you move. Or maybe when you move is a great opportunity, but like I just would challenge whoever's out there who's been in the same place for a while and you feel like you see the same people kind of over and over again at your church, in your neighborhood, just yeah. just shake their hand and say, what's your name? And say, this is my name. Like you, you, we are living a milk toast existence because we're afraid of other people because that means that there's going to be obligations and uh, uh, impositions by the others. Like I met the Chinese lady who lives next to me uh, she's amazing. She wants me to help her pull up a shrub today. And cool. so I don't know how I'm going to do it, 
I don't have a shovel. I don't have probably any, with your hands. Probably. I don't have any gloves. Point. I don't know. We'll see. Oh, you got to get gloves. But now like every time I come home because I've met her, she like comes out and she says, it's trash day tomorrow. You got to put out your trash. I was like, I know it's trash day tomorrow. Thank you. And she's just always at, like running out the door to like say something to me, you know? And like, I could view that as this is a huge pain in my butt. Cause I just want to get home and go inside and make eggs for dinner. Or I could see it as, wow, this woman is probably pretty lonely because <laughs> she lives by herself and she doesn't know any of her other neighbors, you know? So like, just, just try, just see what happens. And then maybe we can start reaching those apathetic people. I don't know. I like those ideas. Thank you. Something, something motivated me to look up milk toast. Yeah. I said the word milk um, toast. I didn't realize that it was, I've heard it before, but I just didn't realize it was real. Uh, but I, I went to, and it's spelled M I L Q U E T O A S T. No, like I spelled milk toast M I L K T O A S. I went to milk toast. Milk toast is real. Yeah. It's toast with warm milk on it. Uh huh. But then it said not to be confused with milk toast with a Q U E. Uh huh. And apparently Caspar milk toast was a popular American cartoon character. Uh, and yeah, it's a, it's a Caspar milk toast. That's really funny. Created created in 1925. He he described he described the character as the man who speaks softly and gets hit with a big stick. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I love that. That's pretty good. Oh man, are you ready to get to Doctor Ethan's dating corner? Yes, finally. Okay. Uh, I know it hurts. I'm sorry. It's going on your corner. You came to the right place, you ding dong. It's called communication, baby. <laughs> Welcome to Dr. Ethan's Dating Corner. We got a really sad update. Oh, no. Today, what we did got we a really do? sad update. Did we do something do wrong? No, no, no. Do you remember Napweed and Tulip? Yeah, I do. I Sending do. us about their, their daughter, Rose, and their boyfriend, her boyfriend, Dandelion. Oh, yeah. I do remember this. Napweed and Tulip here with an update. It finally happened. Our 16-year-old daughter, Rose, has been visibly upset the last few days. So we sat mm. her down and she revealed her boyfriend, Dandelion, has told her about six months. About After about six months, they should, quote, take a break. Oof. She's heartbroken and was afraid to talk to us about it, fearing the dreaded I told you so. Mm-hmm. She said she feels terribly lonely, not just because Dandelion has backed away, but she feels like we, her parents, and her friends are now distant from her as well. I didn't mention that she's been the one slipping off to her room to text Dandelion every moment she could. I think she'll figure that out on her own. Yeah. We've really tried hard to stay away from any notion of I told you so. We're Mm -hmm. trying to simply be with her in this season of sadness to love her and help her heal. Kids, don't date. And when you do, calm the heck down. (laughs) Don't abandon your friends and family to be with your new bae. In fact, don't say bae. That's idolatry. And listen to your parents. Or at least listen to Dr. Ethan. (laughs) Wow. That's, uh, that's, thank you, Napweed that's, and that's Tulip. That's bittersweet, you know? Uh, it's, so, I'm so, so glad so that they're, we've got good parents in the chat, you know? Like, they're... they're, so, they're they got such good instincts. Exactly. To, they knew that she was afraid to bring it to them mm-hmm. because she was like, I don't want them to say, I told you so. And then they just but didn't. they did. Yeah. They did say, I, they, they did tell her so. Um, <laughs> but that's man. a that's an after-the-fact thing. That is not a yeah, that is not an like, in-the-moment thing. That's like a, hey, what did we learn? What did we learn? What did we you learn? Know? With anyone. You stuck your you put your hand on the hot stove. What did we learn? This is this <laughs> is something that I've learned being engaged. This is something I've learned discipling young men. This is something I've learned mm-hmm. being a team director. 
I told you so is rarely the correct. It's never good. It's never good. It's to... only good when you're married for at least a year and you actually did tell her so and you get to dunk on your wife. I'm just kidding. That's not, it's not good. Oh, Patrick, it sounds like you've had an experience recently. <laughs> not recently. No, there, there it's, it's really funny. Um, something that I have noticed about marriage mm-hmm. is that I notice things about Phoebe that she doesn't notice about herself. Oh, absolutely. And I'll say, I'll say things mm-hmm. and I'll be like, Oh, well, you know, this is true about you. And she goes, Oh yeah, well, and then later she'll be like, Patrick, guess what I learned about myself? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so those are the, I told you so moments. Right. Those are more fun. I told you so moments. Like it's when it's good things, you know, like, mm-hmm. Hey, you're really good at your job. And she goes home two weeks later. Like I'm really good at my job. Like, yeah, I know. Yep. <laughs> I've said this. Welcome. Uh, yeah. Welcome to the party. We do have a we do have a regular doctor. Okay, good. Partner. I want to I want to help so, people. Uh, they wanted to be anonymous. They didn't give me their name. Thank you so, for abiding by the rules. As <laughs> good outlined. job, Tony. Wait, sorry. Dang it. I'm just kidding. Wait, hold on. <laughs> Who's uh who sponsors this this segment? Oh, I totally forgot. Yeah. Can we just say that real quick? <laughs> Welcome to Dr. Ethan's Dating Corner, sponsored by Catholic, Catholic Match. Match. Yes. Never gets old. It never gets old to say it out loud. We're going to live forever. <laughs> We're never going to die. <laughs> <laughs> they they have still not posted. Uh, they still haven't posted the the uh, the question form on their social. It's coming. But yeah, they, they have 10,000 followers on Insta, so it's a swipe up deal, which is real fun. Ooh. Uh, I know, right? We're big boys now. <laughs> so this one, uh, short summary, met a girl that is three or four years older than me and only around for the summer. Hello, I'm going to be a senior in college this fall. Mm. I met this girl who's about three or four years older than me and she graduated uh, three years ago. I know she's very attractive. <laughs> or I think she's very oh, okay. attractive. I, said. I know she's very attractive. <laughs> I know she is. Uh, but I'm hesitant to ask her out because of the age gap. Mm. On top of that, she's only in town this summer and will be moving three hours away to do a master's program. Should I pursue this or let it go? I never thought I'd be submitting a question to this, but here it goes. Also, I left my, left my name blank just for you guys. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I think he should go for it. What do you think, Dr. Ethan? I, what do you have to lose? That's my thing. I mean, if the date again, if the date goes hard, also it's only three hours. It's only three three hours is not bad. We've had some people on this who are like cross the country. You know, I met them over the summer and they're moving twelve. Like last week wasn't it like twelve hours away. Or I something? met them in a chat roulette room and <laughs> they live on the other side of the world. Yeah. and I want to be their husband. Right. It's like let's slow down. But three hours, that's nothing. That's you fine. can see each that's other. That's a weekend trip. A that's weekend not trip. even a big deal. That's a day trip, man. If you're willing. Yeah. So. I would say, uh, here's the thing. You're probably not writing into this. Let me make some assumptions about your character. You're probably not writing into this if you've only seen this woman from afar. <laughs> I, I really hope that this isn't like a, hey, I, I saw this girl, never talked to her. I'm thinking about going for it, you know, kind of a thing. I'm assuming that you've actually had a conversation and you can tell that there's some kind of uh, 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 chemistry or spark or mutual, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know yeah. your voice. Your voice is getting low and gravelly, so I know that you're kind of being a little. I almost said mutual submission, but that's not that's for marriage. It's different. It's a different thing. Weird. <laughs> it's a different. I'm so sorry. It's a weird thing to say in the context. Of... <laughs> I know. I was this... pretty sure I don't say it like that. I say mutual submission. What do you oh, say? I, Husband and wife are supposed to be mutually subject. Maybe it's subject. Sub- yeah. Subject to one another. Yeah. 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 So it is kind of weird to say. Anyway, let's get out of that hole. Um, I think you got to go for it, man. I really do. Do it. I think you just ask her out. She says yes. Worst case, you date for the summer and you decide 
you know, okay, this was great. Maybe we go and we come back next summer and we're together again, you know, or maybe we're going to try to do this long distance thing. Or maybe it's like, this was nice. And I think I could be friends with this girl. And maybe if we were in the same city, it would work out. But like, this was just a summer thing, you know? And like, yeah, I've had that before. It's been fine. I have, I've had it too. I didn't do it well. I didn't do a good job at it. So no. learn from my mistakes. Uh, date her honestly and purely. Don't make it about the physical things because it's really easy to be like, oh, it's a summer thing. Oh, we're both really attractive. Let's just take full advantage of this. Let's, Let's like- just hold hands the whole time. <laughs> Let's just touch the phalanges or interlocking, baby. Yeah. We're squeezing tight. All right. You know, you know what I'm saying. All right. <laughs> I don't have to spell it out for you. You're a smart guy. But you got to go for it. She probably is, she probably is contemplating writing into Dr. Ethan's dating corner right now. Like, hey, there's this guy who's this three really years really cute younger guy. He's three years younger <laughs> than me, but like I'm going to this master's program. Like, she's probably thinking the same thing. So you just got to do it. I don't. I actually, I think I think you should do this. I think you should just go to the same master's program. I think skip your senior year of college. <laughs> get a piece, Drive along to, get a sheet of paper get, that says degree. Get a big boom box. Get a sheet of paper that says degree on it in crayon. Spelled obviously. Hand it to them and say, "I'd like to enroll in the master's program." And they'll be. So I have one coupon for a free master's degree. <laughs> and they'll look at it, knowing the state of master's <laughs> program. Say so they'll be like, "Oh, this is probably good." And they'll just let you in. And like that'll be forty thousand dollars a year. Oh man. Yeah, you gotta do it. That's great. Great. I think I feel good. We had a little bit of a low. Had a little bit of a high. Things are happening. I, I do. I have another one. If you want to hit it up. We've been recording for two hours. Fair enough. <laughs> I'll save this for. This is a really good one. I'll save it for next yeah, time. Yeah, we need it. Cool. I'll send. I'll send our our, our guy, the uh, doctor. Ethan answered your question. I gotta get like an automated system for this. Yeah, virtual assistant. Reply to Doctor Ethan's dating corner. <laughs> virtual assistant, give dating virtual advice. Assistant. Not a virtual assistant. They're just a. They're a real person who's on the computer. Yeah, that's not a virtual. But assistant. the problem is, is that you send the emails to virtual assistant at the name of the database dot com. You know, like oh, that makes sense. It's it's so I don't have a name of anybody when I'm sending in mm-hmm. stuff. Like the I contact. should make a virtual assistant at thecrunchcast.com email. Yeah, the contact where everybody. I sends. also I also have a work phone now, which is like giving an alcoholic a job at a bar. <laughs> you know, because of <laughs> well, how so? Well, it's just like my my addiction to media. You know, I'm trying to like work on it. Now I have two phones. But now I have literally, I'm dual wielding. You're dual wielding. Oh, it's a nice phone. Oh, it's too. a nice. It's like an iPhone 11. Oh, it whatever. did that. It did that thing. It did that thing where uh, when you hold uh, your phone up to a camera, you can see the red blinking light. Oh, can you? Yeah, you can. I can. I don't know. If you can. Oh, I can't see anything. Yeah, the, the infrared, the infrared thing on your phone. Mm-hmm. That um, it's for it. It detects when you're putting it up to your ear. I think you, you might be able to see it on mine. Oh yeah, I do. Wait, do you, can you see it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. a red blinking light. Weird. It's. There's a conspiracy theory that it's another camera that's mm. watching you. And I'm like, they don't Listen, need another camera there's already to watch you. Four cameras on, the camera. <laughs> there's already four cameras on the iPhone. We don't, it's the yeah. secret camera that no one knows about, uh-huh. except you can see it. Except they, they were smart enough to put a secret camera in, but they made it findable. <laughs> also, like you can't hide a camera. Like People take apart these and look at the specs inside. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, there's a... There's another camera here. Like you can't hide no. a camera. It's no. it's a camera. It's, it's a, a physical camera. object. It looks like one. But yeah, no, it's it, it's cool though because that's that's how it knows that you uh, you took the phone away from your face to mm. look at it and it turns on. The, it's a power saving. That's pretty mechanism. cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, is there anything else we need to talk to people about? Sign up for your own virtual assistant by emailing virtualassistant at thecrunchcast.com. 
sign up for uh, may... sign up to hear me and Patrick gush about our new jobs on patreon.com slash the crunch. We talked for like 30 minutes about our new jobs and how much we love them. And yeah. it was a lot to put into this episode, but we're going to probably put it on Patreon. So put check Patreon that out. So people can, can hear, hear what's up with us. And I think in the future, starting with the Bible cast, once the, once Patreon has like a really solid, um, mm-hmm reward for joining on i think we're gonna finally start doing uh patreon shout outs for the higher tier oh nice yeah at the beginning of the episode so we'll do you know if people donate at the regular level we'll give them a shout out and then if people donate at a higher level we'll give them an extra special shout out what does that mean i feel like i don't know what it'll be gonna say your name twice but it'll be like it'll be like it'll be like okay here are here are new patrons and we'll list their names then it's like and for those who are donated at an elevated level thank you very much We'll shout out to this person and then shout out to this person. We could, okay, okay, here's the thing. We could do it. We could actually use our Patreon tiers. Mm-hmm. Like, thank you for those who bought a small coffee or the value meal. Mm-hmm. And then our Patreon levels are very funny. I think I think I did a really good job mm-hmm. with them. You're very good. Here, Here's people who joined the Breakfast Club. And then here's people who are certified crunchers. Yeah. Or no, the crunchers will be the $5, the lower tier. And then the, the Breakfast Club will be the higher tier. It's going to be great. Join it's Patreon. It's going to be great. Join Patreon and you'll know all I'm about sorry. It. I'm sorry. Do I smell a rebrand part two? We always, it's it's time. You know, the church has to rebrand every 500 years. We have to rebrand every two. And yeah. that's going to be what it is. The tagline for Bonaventure's book club was re- rebranding tradition, LOL. <laughs> that was the tagline for our, our little in, in, inside group chat. All right. One of the one of the pastors that I met the church that he works at, it's called new church. And I, the first thought was what's wrong with the old church. That's like what I want to ask him. Like what's, you don't like the old one, but is it like new core where it's N U core? So oh, it's like new church. No, I don't know. I haven't looked at my up favorite yet. church that I ever passed by was called club Zion. <laughs> I know what will attract the kids. Yeah. Let's build First Presbyterian. Let's build church a replica. Let's build the third temple, and we're going to put it in Club Zion. The DJ's up on the altar. This is going to be great. It's going to be perfect. I could actually see somebody thinking somewhere that that's a great idea. Yeah, it's it's great. Please don't build any replicas of the of the temple and put a DJ in them. That's just my my blanket. That is when it's gone. I can handle a lot of stuff. Okay, I can handle screens and LEDs and bands and fog machines. I can handle that. I can even handle. I understand if you want to write your own liturgy. I get it, right? Somebody had to write the liturgy, you know, at some point. <laughs> I understand. It's a human thing. But when you start building replicas of the temple and turn the the various pools for washing into hot tubs, that's when I say it's done. <laughs> it's over. You can't do it anymore. The spirit is constantly troubling in this water because we have <laughs> jets in them. We have jets, okay? And you're not going to get healed, but you are going to get your muscles a little loose. I know. It's going to be great. loosen up so you can yeah. praise the Lord. No, it's not good. It's bad. Someone's going to do this. Someone probably has done this, and I'm opposed. Me too. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't. Someone, someone somewhere, you know, with like millions of dollars from something, mm-hmm. has built a replica of the temple somewhere. <sighs> Sad. Anyway, Patrick, do you have anything else for the people? If I turn my microphone upside down, yeah. Do you hear me upside down? <laughs> I just start talking backwards. <laughs> Uh, Thank you all for listening. Please pray for us. We will be praying for you, and we will see you all next week.